When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nice. I like the artwork. I, I do really like that, actually. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's talk about movies. Huh. This is candy for my brain. If you want to talk yeah, movies, I got it. well, guess what? We on the same thing. You got to walk, walk, walk. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Elvis Presley. <laughs> I'm Alan Cram. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. Yeah. And I'm also so yeah. sad we didn't keep that going. I would have loved yeah. to try Elvis. Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll go in and out of it if you want. but uh, I want it. Yeah. I want it all podcast. Uh, please, please, please. No, because I can't really talk about some of the stuff with doing that voice. But um, Oof. yeah, <laughs> so today, if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about the 2022 film nominated for Best Picture best actor at the Oscars and worst supporting actor at the Razzies, Elvis. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about all of that later on in the show. But before we get into that, we like to start off the show by talking about things that we, we've watched in the pop culture over the last week to get the guys to, to watch things that we we're talking to, we're watching outside of the, the topics for the show. Uh, and case in point last week, Devin, went on and on about the last of us was this last week this was last week it was yeah. only last week yeah so i caved i saw all the reviews for episode three and how everyone's saying it's the best tv show in all, of all time like best tv episode of all time uh so i started watching the last of us uh and i have thoughts tell me tell me um post 2020 post-apocalyptic stuff hits different. Um, and I think I will watch any show that the creator of this does because I absolutely love Chernobyl and I'm enjoying the show so far and I'm only one episode in. So Mm. yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Good recommend recommendation there. Devin. I I'm really happy you like it. I, I, yeah, I, I saw the, the most recent episode, episode three and was completely blown away. And I was like, guys, we can't talk about it on the podcast. But I'm going to talk about it to you guys, so. Yeah. Glad you're watching but, it. Yeah. Ryan, are you going to watch it? Yeah, at some point I will. I have om- okay. uh, I almost watched it twice this week, but other stuff distracted me. <laughs> what distracted okay. you? Hmm? Give me names. What distracted you? Oh, it's it's going to make you mad. Um, oh. I decided to get back into the FIFA games. Oh, okay. Okay. So okay. I decided to play video game soccer instead of watch that. You know... <laughs> You know, they actually made a TV show based off of that, too. Um, is it? It's Ted Lasso. Oh, I knew it was going to be Ted Lasso. <laughs> good. Good um, job. Yeah, that's how that worked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Ryan, what? Yeah. Since, besides playing FIFA, what else did you watch this week? <laughs> okay, so um, I watched the movie from 2016 called The the Blinko Experiment? Belko. Um, I believe Belko. Belko. Thank you. Yes. Belko. It, yeah. 
Um, it came out in 2016. It's got a lot of what I would consider like B-list actors in it. Um, and it's... I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, it is basically take the office and office space and make them battle royale each other <laughs> against their will. Um, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. Um, it, it, it. It totally ends with a crazy setup that would have uh, that opens up for a second possible second one, but I don't think they ever made it. Um, this might be one I have you guys watch to be honest, because there's a lot of stuff in it. I think you guys would like, there's things in it that I think some, that, uh, uh, you might hate all, all in the same movie. Um, <laughs> but it is on Tubi right now for okay. free with ads. Um, and it's got like a 6.1 on IMDb. So okay. it falls into my, like, you know, pre decision watch, like statistic. <laughs> okay. Devin, have you heard of this movie? I n- never in my entire okay. life. Have you? I have. Uh, it's produced <clears throat> by James Gunn from Gar- director behind Guardians of the Galaxy and now the head of DC Studios, who um, wow made some announcements today. Do we want to talk about that quick? Because yeah. we segued into it naturally. So DC, <laughs> an- <laughs> DC announced their uh, upcoming slate for their... Um, chapter one, they're calling Gods and Monsters. So they announced 10 new projects coming out. Uh, they announced five TV shows. One of them is animated, and that's create Creature Commandos. The Amanda Waller show, there's going to be a Green Lantern show with Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan, a Booster Gold series, and a Paradise Lost uh, adaptation about their mascara. Um, all of those going to HBO Max. And then movie-wise, they announced Superman Legacy, Batman the Brave and the Bold, Swamp Thing, which is going to be a horror movie, The Authority, and Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Anything in that list jump out to you guys as interesting? So, hold on. Paradise Lost, like the John Milton book? like from No, it's based off of a Wonder Woman arc that they just did. It's like oh. about a battle on, on Paradise Island. Which is their, okay, yeah. their mascara. Stupid me. Okay. I think the one thing that I'm going to say is that I have a problem with DC things and that I hate their titles like all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I, if you're going to give me a Supergirl show, give me a Supergirl show. Don't call it Supergirl colon woman of tomorrow. It's a movie. It, it's not a, not a show. It's a movie. It doesn't make it better. It sounds, <laughs> like those, it sounds like those old timey days where they're like a woman traveling alone on an airplane. My goodness. Woman of tomorrow. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. I don't love it at all. Ryan, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Swamp thing. Is that okay. cool? Okay, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, to be honest, DC always has the most random, like, for, for, for me, for me in general, has some of the most random superhero villain characters that I always forget that are part of DC and not just like a random offshoot of, uh, of, of like their own thing. And Swamp Thing is one of them. I always forget that Swamp Thing is part of DC and not just like some character that's done on, uh, that's done on like a private label. Yeah. And I remember watching the Swamp Things and like the Toxic Avengers stuff growing up because even though I know they're two different things, I always lump them together. And 
it's always interested me. Like a giant green blobby sea sea uh, a giant green blobby seaweed man is like here to save the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and knowing the picks that you usually have for we watch this, I feel like this is going to be right up your alley with it being a horror movie. So there we go. Is it going to be uh, a horror movie? Yeah. Oh, fun. Uh, I'm excited for a lot of these. Like, I didn't expect them to announce a new Batman movie with the Batman Part Two coming out because I think that's what they're calling it now. But oh, wow. I'm excited for the Brave and the Bold. I'm not excited to hear that James Gunn's favorite Robin is Damian Wayne. It's like mm, judging you a bit for that, but yeah. So that, that's some exciting stuff that that happened today. Um, Devin, yes. What have What have you watched in the last week? I watched a TV show. I watched all of the TV show, which is really rare for me. But I watched all of this show called The Bear. Uh, it's a 2002 TV show about a young chef from the fine dining world returns to Chicago to run his family's sandwich shop. It's a comedy, it's a drama, it's wonderful. Um, the only thing I had known about it before going into it is someone went, this is probably the most realistic depiction of working at a restaurant that I've ever seen on television. And I was like, well, that's enough to get me interested. And I, I loved it. It was so good. It, Yeah. Have you guys seen or heard of this? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but my family has a history of working in restaurants, so I'm interested. I've been interested in this one for a while. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, I've got um, I've got a buddy that I knew uh, on Facebook. I've known since college, and he was a chef in in a handful of bars in the Lehigh Valley area and in Philly mm-hmm. for a while. And he absolutely loved it when it first came out. Oh wow, that's great! So I mean, I've I I I've been interested in it. Just again, like I've never worked in a restaurant, so I haven't really been that interested in watching it. But sure. I think it's just a good story. And, and the nice thing about it is that it's like six episodes long, eight episodes long. And like each episode, it's eight. And each episode is like 30 minutes. It's not like prestige TV where like it's two and a half hours per episode and they made eight of them. So good luck with your whole weekend. Like this is a nice quick little watch. It, it's not TV. It's FX on Hulu. Uh is that what it is? It's just on Disney Plus over here. Yeah. Uh, over here, it's on Hulu because Disney Plus here... Uh, the they 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 have to put a warning in front of Deadpool, to, to, <laughs> so <laughs> good. So um, they should. Yeah, so it's on Hulu for us because we have Hulu and you don't. Um, you guys are lucky that way. We also, Devin, I I have a streaming service question for you. Do you guys have Peacock in the UK? No, oh. no. What is Peacock? Tell me about it. Is Peacock. It, NBC? It, it is NBC. Uh-huh. Uh, they have their own streaming service over here. So I'm curious if you can even watch the show where you are, but there's a new show on Peacock, uh, which I think we talked about last week a little bit. Uh, Ryan Johnson produces this show. It's called Poker Face, starring the Natasha Leone. It's pretty much a modern day Columbo. How is it? Is it's, that good? It's very good. Um, it's very old fashioned with the way they tell the story. Uh, and the way they film it, like it, it, it fits the, the format of Columbo, but every time she hears somebody lie, she just says bullshit. Like she <laughs> the flat out says it every time and it's, it's good. Um, Cliff from Cheers shows up for an episode. They released four episodes to start, which is a lot, but 
The first few are directed by Ryan Johnson. So if you liked Knives Out and Glass mm-hmm. Onion, this is for you. Um, and it's a 10 part series. So they're almost halfway through the season already, but it just came out. So how does, how does a, a series that like feels like Columbo hold up to like a 2023 audience though? Cause like, isn't it just like murderer of the week? Kind of like the same kind of crap you'd get with like CSI and well, the way and they, the way they do it. I don't, have you ever seen Columbo? Evidently, uh, no, evidently this is on sky TV for you. Um, Oh, great. Um, thanks. Thanks chat. The, the way Columbo starts is almost every week they show you the murder. You know how it, how it happens. So the whole time oh. it's you following the detective, the detective as he f- figures it out. So you follow Columbo as he's like putting the pieces together to solve the, the crime that you know how it happened. Mm-hmm. In this, they show you the crime and then they go back and show you where uh, Natasha Leone was the whole time. Like it, it does a time thing, which I really enjoy. Um, and they play with that a little bit. Each episode It's a little bit different. So um, yeah, I really enjoy it. I'm excited for excited for more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that was one of my picks. My other pick is another show on Apple TV called shrinking starring. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this sentence starring Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Ryan, have you seen this show? Have you heard of the no. show? Okay. No. <laughs> um, it's Ted. La- it's from the creators of Ted Lasso. So it's Bill Lawrence who did Ted Lasso and Scrubs and yeah. Brett Goldstein who plays Roy Kent okay. uh, because right. he's, he's here. He's there. He's everywhere. Um, <laughs> Good. This feels a lot like Ted Lasso. Like I can see this show growing to be like that kind of show um, because the Jason Siegel character is so optimistic, but also like down on his, like his wife dies. So he's like recovering from that and like dealing with it, like dealing it with, with it and his daughter, his and his daughter's daughter's relationship. Um, and then Harrison Ford is just be playing the grumpy old man the whole time. Like he's there for the paycheck and you can tell, but it's still, he's still funny. Um, but it, it, it's funny. It's got heart. Um, it's got Bill Lawrence's wife because she's in everything that he does at some point. <laughs> um, I highly recommend this if you like Ted Lasso. There's okay. this like there's this vein of, oh, that's Bill Lawrence's wife. I like her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this like vein of like the like, kind of shortish comedies that are like kind of almost comedies on the front, but have this really nice vein of like real human emotion behind them that like, I think scrubs capitalized on really mm-hmm. well that like, I haven't gotten in the same way since scrubs is, would you like, would you kind of call this similar? Like, is it kind of as good? I, yeah, I would, I would say it has a lot of heart. I, I, I know you yeah. haven't watched all of Ted Lasso, but it no. has that too. When you, yeah. how many episodes of Ted Lasso have you seen? I'm only like halfway through season one. I'm not far at all. And not for okay. any good reason. I liked it when I watched it. I'm just not yeah. watching it. You've got time before season three comes out this spring. So is it actually that. coming out? I heard it just wasn't coming out. It's coming out. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. They, they shot it. They're going to do it. We, before the show, we actually watched the episode of 30 rock where Jason Sudeikis shows up like clean shaven baby face. I'm like, this is weird. Oh. I don't like this. <laughs> um, oh, I just like you were watching 30 rock. Well done. Yeah. Love that show. Uh, Ryan, you you finished Ted Lasso, right? Yeah. Okay. Several times. 
Yeah. So <laughs> wait, really? Yeah. Wow. Good job. Yeah, I started rewatching it again a few weeks ago. Haven't gotten far, but you're probably as far as I am. Then probably probably am. But yeah, so those are our picks where we watched this this Mm -hmm. week. Let's get into today's main topic. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. This is a film that came out last summer starring Austin Butler as the titular Elvis and Tom Hanks as Colonel Parker, Elvis's manager. Um, We talked about this on the show before because we we did Moulin Rouge around the time this came out. And we were all kind of dubious of this movie. Like we weren't sure what it was going to be. Um, And I took the plunge and watched this a few weeks ago and talked about it on, we watched this um, and decided to move it up in my pick list because after watching this movie, I became obsessed with the soundtrack and I've been listening to it. Like, like parts of it at least once a day, like on my commute. Um, Uh, so I watched this on HBO max for the first time a few weeks ago. Um, told my, told my thoughts. Then I really enjoy this film. I think Austin Butler gives a great performance. Uh, Tom Hanks is there. I, I have thoughts on the use of Baz Luhrmann's style of filmmaking in this, because Mm -hmm. I think it works in, in parts more than it does in others. I'm really curious to hear what you guys think about to do uh doja cat being in the soundtrack for an elvis movie um <laughs> devin go ahead and look up who doja cat is that's fine i i did um, already don't you worry <laughs> don't you worry but yeah so that those are my thoughts on elvis just to get us started what did you guys think of elvis ryan you want to go first okay if you want me to go first i, I want will. you to go first okay so if it wasn't for this show i would never watch this movie okay okay so just putting that out there. Um, it was good. I would definitely put it in the same category as um, the Elton John and uh, the Freddie Mercury one. Like, it's definitely in that category when it comes to, like, music biopics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good. I enjoyed it. Um, it definitely strengthened some opinions that I already had about Elvis and the whole industry that was built around him. Um and there were other things that I was uh, that I enjoyed that they did that they kind of showed parts of his life um, that I didn't even know about. Um, and then I was upset later when I looked up, you know, what what the movie took liberties with with his life and what it got right. And then that kind of counteracted the moments that I thought I felt good about. We'll get okay. into that later. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that. no, there's definitely a bit of that because it it is a film adaptation of his life. It's not verbatim uh but it's also told from an unreliable narrator which is colonel tom mm-hmm. parker um so it does skew a bit and maybe not in the best light for him because uh, it definitely takes a it takes a side in the elvis versus colonel parker story um but we'll get in we'll get into all that later i've got an article up here with uh oh wow uh what's fact and what's fiction in elvis uh devin what are what are your thoughts Okay, there are times when the Baz Luhrmann style really, really freaking works in this movie and connects me to it right away. And I think for every time that I went, hold on, this is really, really good. I had like two other moments where I was like, I hate this. I absolutely hate this. This is the worst. 
Um, I think that I might be burnt out on the the music hero biopic genre in general. So it, it didn't do itself any favors that way. And in to be entirely honest, in some ways, it made me not like Elvis a lot. Uh, and and we'll have to talk about some of my feelings there. I don't want to get too deep into that. But I kind of came away with this movie going, some of that was really great. And some of that was like the very end scene where they show real Elvis in real clips of real Elvis. And I was so captivated. And then they followed it up by the most dumpster fire song that Elvis has ever recorded within the ghetto. And I went, rah, and turned the movie off. Oh, Okay. okay. I have a lot of strong opinions and weird opinions about Elvis. So a lot of that is okay. coloring my opinion here. Well, so just let, hold let, on for that. Let's let's talk about it. Let's okay. talk about Elvis. What going yeah. into this, I didn't really have an opinion of Elvis. I didn't know, like I knew some of his songs. I knew like a little less conversation from Ocean's 11 and when it was yeah. a big hit in like early 2000s. Um but I never really had an opinion of the artist himself. And mm-hmm. I came away from this film respecting him as an artist a lot more um, okay. go from this viewpoint of how the film shows him keeping his roots, like knowing where he came from it and not shying away from that, the, the Memphis style and the kind of music that he started out doing uh, and how he always came back to that. So like when you get into in the ghetto, like at the end, I was like, Okay, this song this song has a new context for me now, knowing his background mm-hmm. and all of that. So what were your guys' thoughts of Elvis going into this and then coming out of it? So going into it, I didn't have too much, like too many thoughts on him. I kinda knew like I kinda knew the headlines about Elvis. I knew, you know, Graceland, I knew all of that stuff. I know that, you know, I had an aunt that like was convinced that he was still alive and would like troll through old Elvis per or the Elvis impersonator performances because one day she'll see the real one. But like I didn't have like too many thoughts on Elvis himself. And for some reason the part that you said that you liked about him hit really different for me. And I wanna know if I'm the only one that thought this way, because leaving the movie, I had a little less respect for Elvis. Because there was a lot of times when exactly the thing that you said that you liked about it, where he kept going back to his roots, kept going, this is the style of music I love. This is what I want to show. This is what I want to give the world. It's this music. It's this style. But I think him as a mouthpiece for that style and him as like a not only the mouthpiece for it, but then who he was playing that style of music for was so incongruous with who he was cribbing from. And there are times when you can see that he's literally taking songs that are done by other performers. Like I think Hound Dog was exactly that. They showed somebody singing Hound Dog at like a mm-hmm. music club. Oh. And then you show him singing Hound Dog and the audience is distinctly different, especially for that era. The person playing the music is distinctly different. And I can't help but feel like like other people have done what he's done, but better. And the only reason that people like what he's doing is the whole it's him. It's it's this, you know, I mean, look, Elvis is a beautiful man. It's this beautiful man shaking his hips in a way that everybody kind of likes and is kind of dirty. And, and I can't help but feel like that's the reason why that music got popular and why he liked that. And every time he kept going back to his roots in the movie, I'm just like, you're just stealing more from these people. And and I I think that that part of it was really hard for me to separate. And I know that was probably a really unfair read of the movie. 
and it was probably pretty ungenerous because the movie doesn't portray it that way. But yeah. that's really yeah. what I left with feeling. Okay. Okay. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Uh, I knew kind of like Devin. Like I had family that owned like Elvis's greatest hits. Um, you know, I've seen a few things, a lot of SNL sketches when I was younger. Um, but to be honest, like I, I, I do not like Elvis the person. No, I, I didn't say that right. I do not. <laughs> I do not don't like Elvis the person. He's fine. He's whatever. He, he He's a product of where he grew up, of his time, of the music that he liked. I'm not going to um, take away anything that he did because it was just what he liked to do and what he liked mm-hmm. to perform. What, what I meant before about the whole industry that was built around him, mm-hmm. the type of music that he sang and that he performed with was performed by other people for mm-hmm. 10 plus years prior to Elvis doing it but because Elvis looked like us yeah he he got the uh, uh he's the one that got the that uh that, that got the success on it and this is something that I've had an issue with ever since I was like a teenager mm. <laughs> for me the way the film portrays it at least from the Elvis standpoint of it, it mm-hmm. to me it comes across as he didn't necessarily want to be known for that, but he was mm-hmm. getting so much flack when he got away from that, that he was like pressured mm-hmm. into becoming what, like conforming into what the, the, the congressman wanted him to be like to the point where he has to enlist, but he mm-hmm. didn't want to shy away from those roots. And I, for me, I that for, the movie tells the story in three acts. The three acts of Elvis's life: his mm-hmm. his rise, his comeback, and then his final years in Vegas. Um, the rise, like I can see the issues with the rise stuff. Like I, I absolutely get that. Mm-hmm. Where I really got the found the respect for Elvis was the comeback special sequence. Um, Mm, yeah. The part of this movie that stood out to me the most that made me respect Elvis more. And they play with time a little bit with with the movie. Like Robert Kennedy did not get shot when they were filming the comeback special. Oh, right. It was like it was a few it was a few weeks before. But still, like the If I Can Dream is the the song that stuck with me from this movie. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. and I think it's because like you look at the lyrics to that song it's still relevant and it's ahead of its time. Like I saw somebody compare it to imagine by John Lennon. And it's like, this is a better song than imagine. And it has the same message, but it's just better. And I was like, you know, you're, you're not wrong. And I'd never heard this song until this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I missed Celine Dion duetting it with him on, on American idol in like 2008. I didn't know that was a yeah. thing. That's very strange. It, it was. It was before. Mm. It was before the Tupac uh, hologram. So <laughs> all but, of that sentence is just abhorrent yeah. to me. I'm sorry. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and Alan to back you up, like that's one of those things where it's like, that's why I said I do not 
blame Elvis for anything from yeah. what I was talking about because he grew up where he grew up. He was surrounded by the friends that he had. He uh, he grew up listening to, to, to the music that he liked and he wanted to perform that music. So yeah. I have no problem with him dancing the way he danced and music, you know, and the music that he was doing. He wasn't putting on a performance to pretend he was someone else to become famous. He was just performing the way that he knew how. It was... It w- it was the fact that it took him to put that music more on the map in the mainstream where it should have been to begin with before he became famous. Yeah. And I, and I think like the, the film highlighting for the moment, little Richard yeah, acknowledges that yeah. like it acknowledges like, yeah, you mm-hmm. had this other talent too. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if the next movie Baz Luhrmann does is a little Richard biopic. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, and, 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 and it's something they talk about in the very first scene of the movie, and I wrote this down. Um, the op- uh, uh, it's, uh, it's where Tom Hanks is, you know, you, you see Tom Hanks first, and he's talking to his sideshow performers, and then the country singer's son comes up and puts on the record, and they're telling him to turn off the record because, frankly, they're being racist. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, no, no, it's, it's Elvis, he's white. And they're like, What? And they, their attitude completely changes about the music, and they're more excited about it than annoyed by it. And that's and it was it was right at the start of the movie, and I'm like, thank God they did this because this has been my biggest issue with his entire career, my entire life, is the fact that like, yeah, he's got good songs. I'm not denying that he was a talent. It was just I know so many people who are much who are much much older who were huge Elvis fans, Elvis plates, Elvis things on their car, yeah. Elvis shirts, like everything Elvis. And I'm like, mm, maybe there's a reason why you liked Elvis and not the other I, people. And I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Um, Devin, anything to add? Yeah, no, I, I always, I, now that you are all bringing it up, there's definitely a lot of subtext to how people are reacting to Elvis that isn't immediately obvious and the movie doesn't poke in the way that I wanted it to. And I think it's because of Alan, who you said the unreliable narrator, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The, the narrator isn't going to flat out say, this is why we liked Elvis so much, but they'll definitely show you. This is why we liked Elvis so much and how immediate and swift the backlash was to him, you know, performing in a tux and being not him and how he needed to go back to it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Yeah. I guess. So let's talk about Colonel Tom Parker a bit because. Oh, we got uh, it. Tom Hanks in this movie. Can you name any other movie where Tom Hanks plays a villain? No. No. Castaway. Wilson was the villain, and you all know it. No, no, he didn't do a thing to save Wilson. Is that all why he cared he's about the was villain? himself? Yes. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't care enough about Wilson. That's what so happened. By that logic, Kate Winslet is the villain of Titanic because she let Jack free. Oh, yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go, Jack. What does she do? She lets him go and he sinks to the bottom because, of the ocean. Because he's dead. Like <laughs> She said she would never let him go. She said oh, she would man. never let him go. And as she's saying she it, should, she shakes her hand loose. She's she a liar. still be holding his corpse right now, today. At least the hand. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, back to Tom Hanks. What do you guys think of uh, his performance as Colonel Tom Parker? Oh, it was so good. It, it, 
it made me so angry half the time. It was so it was such a good performance. <laughs> okay, first off, we as a society need to stop doing Dutch accents in movies. Just say they're German. Just don't, or just say that they're Dutch but have an American accent, because like, not even close. But like, the Dutch accent's really hard for Americans to do in general. Like, I can't do a Dutch accent, and like, I've been among them. So like, I I don't know how to do it. I can't. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I've been like among that. them. I, it was the way you said that that just caught me off guard. I'm sorry. Good. So the I, and I think the, I yeah. think the other thing is I hate I hate snow job. Don't say snow job in a movie ever to yes. me again. I hate yes. it. Yes, um, that should not be used in any other context than what we millennials know it as, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, quick, re- quick reminder. Please remind me what a snow job is. It was, I'm not it was doing it on we... the show. Devin can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you worry, baby. I got you all day. Um, I might regret that. It was, it was just... <laughs> it's, it's literally just when he pulls one over their eyes. It's all... It's like him saying it's all show business, but it's all snow business. It's kind of okay. it. It's kind of the whole deal. It sounded like Goldfinger. Or Goldmember. There we go. All Listen, right. I'm trying to do the Dutch accent again. It's okay. So was Tom Hanks. Uh, Why? Well, I, yeah. I think... <laughs> so, people who knew tom parker have said that he didn't sound like that um they also in the movie don't ever say that he's dutch uh they they really play loose with his origin story and they hide it from you they also hide the fact that he had a yeah what but it's weird it's the unreliable narrator stuff like you're like when this movie first was announced it wasn't an elvis movie it was a colonel tom parker movie um do you guys remember where you were when you found out Tom Hanks had COVID? Yeah. What do you think Australia. he was working on? He was. Elvis. Yeah. It's Baz Luhrmann, baby. He made Australia? a whole movie about Australia, starring Australians in Australia. Like. <laughs> <laughs> he did, didn't he? <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Okay. So that um, alone is like the the like well, puts Elvis in the history books. Like everyone remembers when Tom Hanks was diagnosed with coronavirus. On I have the article here, March twelfth, twenty twenty. Like that's the moments where I'm like, oh god, maybe this is serious. Like and it was Elvis. <laughs> Just imagine Elvis, <laughs> like, like Tom Hanks getting a COVID test in that makeup, like. <laughs> And, like, and if Tom, I don't know if Tom Hanks is a method actor, but he, if he has to go to the doctor with that accent, like just imagine that. Um, I I just I don't want it. <laughs> okay, Poor so, doctor. Uh, so, getting to yes, the who the main character is, and the fact that he narrate, and the fact that he narrates this movie, which, which, which I kind of liked. I'm not going to lie, but at the very beginning, and I made this note where like he's being rushed to the hospital and he wakes up in his hospital bed and they show him walking through an empty casino. I wrote this down in my notes. If you have to convince people slash yourself in a fever dream, you didn't do something like kill Elvis. You probably did. (laughs) That Okay. Here's where I'm going to admit something. I don't know anything about Colonel Tom Parker. I don't know about 
his relationship to Elvis. If you had said, Devin, I want you to watch this biopic about Colonel Tom Parker, I would be shocked that Elvis, before this movie, I'd have been shocked that Elvis showed up in it and thought you would have shown me like a military thing. Like, I don't know about their drama or their history or like who fell on what side of who. I just know the bits that they showed in the beginning where they were like, he stole millions from Elvis. He's taken a 50% cut. Like, is that really what happened? Is that all true? So yeah. to a, to an extent, what happened in the film is accurate. Okay. Uh, Colonel Parker did sign a contract on the tablecloth during, wow. like during Elvis's shows in, in Vegas. Um, Elvis did not fire him on stage in Vegas. No. Okay. They did. He, they did fight about other things though. And mm-hmm. he, it wasn't about his true identity and what he was doing the whole time. It was, they didn't fight about that, but he did end up firing him. And then he gave him the bill for 8 million. Like, it wasn't 8 million. Then it was like 5 million. The film exaggerates that a bit, but Elvis couldn't pay it. So he was stuck in Vegas. So, wow. and that's what makes me sympathize with, the character because he's he's so like one of the things on the soundtrack that bugs the hell out of me but makes sense for the film is there's a ver- film version of uh suspicious minds okay. stuck in a trap i can't break out that goes yeah. on for let me find it um Six minutes and 17 seconds. Over half of that is just a loop of stuck in a trap. I can't break out. And it like really gets you to feel like what Elvis, like I always knew Vegas was associated with Elvis. I didn't really know why I I knew he did shows there. I didn't know for how long or how often Mm -hmm. I thought maybe it was like some of the, his specials were in Vegas. And that's why they were like, that's why they were so associated with each other. I didn't realize he was there for that many years. Um, yeah, I was I was told by by a family member that the reason why he spent the last half of his career in Vegas was because he liked it so much. Not according to this Probably. movie. No, not according to that. No, I'm just saying. Like, there's a lot of people out there that just assumed that he liked Vegas and decided to make it a cash cow. Like, that's that well, was my mind, though. Fans. I didn't know that he was broke in Vegas. Like, I didn't know, and that actually really shocked me about the movie. Like, I thought what you, what I guess your family member assumed, he just thought Vegas was neat. Yeah. But yeah, so he didn't blow up on his uh, on his agent. He blew up on uh, 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 Baron Hilton, the owner. What really? Paris Hilton's grandfather, yeah. No. Um, he blew up on him because uh, he fired a uh, um, an employee because that employee talked to him and Elvis went to go visit his dying wife who was dying of cancer. And when Grandpa Hilton found out, Elvis yelled at him for firing him because he wasn't supposed to talk to Elvis. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh- I, I almost said, remind me, I have something to tell you, a joke to tell you guys after the show. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, so the other. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I want to talk about the the Tom Hanks Award nominations quick while we're here. Okay. Um, So Elvis has obviously been nominated for a few Oscars, but I want to talk about the other awards that it's nominated for because they all go to top that all these nominations go to Tom Hanks okay. and that is the Razzie awards. You guys, are you guys familiar with the Razzies? Oh, of yes. course. Absolutely. Okay. For anyone listening or watching at home who doesn't know what the Razzies are, the Razzies are the, um, the Wario of the Oscars. Uh, they are the opposite of instead of celebra- celebrating the best in film for the year, they celebrate the worst. And Elvis has two nominations here. Uh, first for worst worst supporting actor for Tom Hanks, and then for worst on screen couple, it's Tom Hanks and his laden face, his latex laden face and atrocious accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> that that is one of the better Razzie Award nominations from this year. They nominated the girl from the Firestarter remake, who's twelve. And everyone's like, that's a 12 year old dude. Like, don't yeah. like, let's not do that. Like, yeah, that's our bad. Like, it's too late now. You did the, the damage is done. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. So do you think Tom Hanks deserves those award nominations? It's tough because I know what he's going for with it. That's the thing is like, it's a choice and he's doing the choice and he's making the choice. And for the character, it all fits. It's all a package. As a viewer, I hated it. Like, it's... I, I can't even think of an equivalent. It's like if if somebody really loves olives and they keep shoving olives in your mouth and you hate olives. Like, you get it. People like it. I funny. have the I have the perfect analogy for it. Tell me. Jared Leto. Yes. yes. Because you look at House of Gucci that came out last... Or two years ago. He kind of looks the same. He has the weird a- Italian accent there where he just sounds like he's from a Mario cartoon. Um, and he's got the same kind of face makeup. Like that's exactly what it is. Like it's, it's the Jared Leto. It's Tom Hanks playing Jared Leto pretty much. <laughs> Not a sentence I ever thought yeah. anyone in the world would say. I kind of hate it. All right. But uh, I do think he deserved it. Okay. Do you? I forget what the other nominees are, um, but I, I I think the accent and the makeup are a, a, a bad combination. So I think he at least deserves to win that one. <laughs> well, I know that like the whale got in trouble for the fat suit. Did this one not get any like flack for the fat suit? It, it didn't. Because I don't think anyone was taking Tom Hanks' performance as seriously as they were in The Whale. Oh, that's fair. Um, okay. So, and, like, The Whale thing, I get where they're coming from with that. But at the same time, Brendan Fraser did a lot. He, he did put on weight for that. Like, if you watch oh, wow. him in Doom Patrol, uh, which is which is ending soon, sadly. 
if you watch him in Doom Patrol, you see that when he does show up in those seasons, like he is putting on weight for that role. Um, and it's such like we'll, we'll talk about the whale when I whenever I get around to watching it. Like that, okay. I've got I've got my own issues with the whale. Like I'm excited to see it. I I want to support Brandon Fraser. I'm excited to see his performance, but it might be a while until I can make myself watch that. Um, Fair, but. I, I'll talk to you guys about why off camera. Um, but yeah, Tom Hanks didn't get any flack for the, his suit in this. Cause I don't think it's as large in, uh, as the whale. Like it's, not, it's not like Tom Hanks is immobile because of his prosthetics in this. It's sure. He's playing a character trying to look like that character who's based on a real mm-hmm. person. So um, and it's, yeah, and the fat suit isn't really the topic of anything. Like, right. it never gets brought up. Really, it just is what the character um, looks like. Yeah, and speaking of like, I will, I'll I'll save the ending of this movie for the for the end of the show. Um, okay. Ryan, any thoughts to add there? What about the prosthetics and the horrible accent and yeah, yeah. him getting Razzies? I mean. Ali, just like you said, I'd have to know what the other nominees are, but it. In both cases, he deserved enough to get nominated for both. I'm looking up the Razzie nominations now. I'll answer it that way. Is it the 2023 ones? Yes. Uh, all right. The weird thing it's about the 2030 ones. Uh, the weird thing about this is like. Oh, I guess it wasn't. Never mind. I I, I thought that uh, Anna Diamas was nominated for worst actress here and then best actress at the Oscars, but that's not the case. The other worst supporting actors are <laughs> Pete Davidson in a movie called Good Morning, which I think is the Machine Gun Kelly movie. Oh, right. uh, Tom Hanks, Xavier Samuel in Blonde, Maude's son in Good Morning, and Evan Williams in Blonde. Um. I don't know yeah. any of those movies to be honest. I I know Blonde, like I know Blonde's gotten a lot of flack and I don't think I haven't seen it so I can't really speak to it. But I think people expected a Marilyn Monroe biopic that wasn't accurate to what actually happened and I think that's why a lot of people are upset about that movie. Um Oh. At least that's been my read on it so far. Um So let's talk about the Baz Luhrmann of this movie because you guys both turned me on to Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the Baz Luhrmann-ness of this movie? Ryan, I'll let, I'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> it's like he does Moulin Rouge. He does other movies like this. Um, I am one of the worst until I see a bunch of stuff that, that, that a director does to be able to comment on a certain director's like niche. Um, I know, I know that he puts modern music into mix with older music for movies. That's as far of a niche as I know what his style is. Um, I was fine with the cat in it. I feel like it. Doja cat. I feel like it fit for what scene it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was trying to pick out other spots where like other music was coming in, but it wasn't as jarring as I thought it was going to be. 
okay, so if we're talking about the music aspect of it, I actually kind of liked the mashup bit of it. And I think I okay. liked it because I think I like specifically what it was used for and when, like, why it was used in the time that it was used. So, like, like the Doja Cat mashup, for example, was meant, I think, purposely to sound a little bit, like, it fit well with the song. But I think it was almost meant for you to go, Elvis and Doja Cat? Really? Like, in kind of the same way that, like, at the time, people, because it was during Elvis's rise, essentially, it kind of gave them the same, like, this kind of music? Really? And yeah. it kind of, it fit for what they were going for, and I loved that. I will say, though, Baz Luhrmann's filming style and his edit style, this one was very hit and miss for me. So, the Viva Las Vegas scene with the Baz Luhrmann coming through, absolutely loved. 10 out of 10. Love that sequence. I think it's so cool. <laughs> the beginning bit... I like was like, how many flashbacks deep are we now? Is this five flashbacks at once on the screen now? And they were like Tom Hanks in the hospital bed, flashing back to the first time he met Elvis, flashing back to the first time Elvis found music, flashing back to the first time Elvis recorded, and like jumping between all of them at the same time. I went that part. That part wasn't as jarring for me because I I didn't have trouble following it because it sure. changed styles each time it did it. Like, oh yeah, yeah this, here's this kid Elvis who thinks he's a superhero from the comic books and wants to go save his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what superhero they, he was referencing in all of those? Like, who was the superhero Elvis ad, um, admired the most? Marv. No. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, yes. You're both right. It's Captain Marvel yeah. who became Shazam. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he had the, the lightning bolt. Yeah. And, and the cape. Like, that's why Elvis wore capes is because of Captain Marvel. Yeah, that's why he look at look at Elvis's capes and look at Cap like Captain Marvel Shazam capes from like the early comic. Books. Yeah, that's that's where Elvis got his look in Vegas. Just because he's a comic. Yeah. 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 He was the first he was the first cosplayer in Vegas. Yeah, and Maybe now I like this guy shit. And now everyone <laughs> cosplays as him, cosplaying as Shazam. Yeah, That's so um, weird. What I like about the the use of the music in this is, I know we we talked about this being an, an issue with the with the movie and Elvis's career in general, but this movie feels a lot like a hip hop story. Yeah, like it feels yeah. like Eight Mile. Uh, to the well, point where you have El- you have Eminem doing the the end credit song. Like I know you turned <laughs> it off at in the ghetto, but he does a song at the end called "The King and I." Really? Yes. Yeah. And I oh. highly recommend you watch you uh, listen to it. But here I, I have the lyrics pulled up. Um, there's this one verse that really kind of hits what I'm talking about. Now, I'm about to explain to you all the parallels between Elvis and me myself. It seems obvious, one, he's pale as me. Second, we've both been hailed as kings. He used to rock the jailhouse. I used to rock the shelter. Like Velveeta shells and cheese. I'll, but y'all miss the me- meaner me back when I had felonies. Uh, that went over your head because you just fell on your knees. You literally knelt to me. I used to have no self-esteem. I used to cry myself to sleep. Like 
Wow. It kind of, like, yeah, like it, it's very similar. Like if you look at the yeah. stories of the two of them, like the I mean, one, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, the take away the fact that it's a different musical genre when Eminem came, you know, became popular, you had a lot of people saying the same stuff about Eminem that you had people saying about Elvis when Elvis was first coming up because of the style of music yeah. that they were portraying. I mean, yeah. Eminem and directly addresses a, that in a song too. Yeah. And Eminem pretty much saying like, yeah, I, you know, like, you know, like this is where I come from, you know, like this is the neighborhood that I came from. And yeah. Elvis was, it was the same story with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The only use of modern music that kind of took me out of the movie for a second was the use of Backstreet's Back after the comeback <laughs> special. No, I loved it. No. I completely missed that. No, it was so good. I, I think you queued us up for it. I think you told us yeah. about it, so I was waiting for it. But no, yeah. that was actually really good. Uh, and then like, w- when he's doing the uh, I Want to Play House with You during the first performance where all the girls are going crazy – and the guitar riff from Come Together starts playing. I'm like, I see what you did there. <laughs> I, I get it's a, that. It's a dirty one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but outside but outside of the modern music stuff, was there mm-hmm. anything Elvis music related in here that stood out to you guys that, that you enjoyed? Because there is several musical performances in here. Yeah, and I'm trying to... I can't remember the song, but I really like the sequence where they had basically Elvis was supposed to be like old, boring Elvis in that really big concert. The outdoor I, one. The outdoor one. And what was it? Did he play? Is it called Rude or something like that? Trouble. Trouble. That was it. I really liked that. That was really cool. That That's one of the things that they took liberties with. That song did not exist until Elvis started the movie <laughs> with that song. Sure, but it's it it plays to what the story the story of the film is telling, which is mm-hmm. th- there's this group of people who know how dangerous an artist like Elvis can be, and they want him to conform to what they think he should be doing, mm-hmm. and he's up on stage saying, "I'm evil." Danger is like danger is my middle name. Like he's just saying no forget that I'm doing this. Like, this is what I want to do and like sticking it to the man. Yeah. That part, I don't know why that part resonated so well. And maybe that was like the most hip hop thing. I think he did like it up until that point in the movie, but I was like, yeah, you get it, man. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, how about you? Uh, That was I'm, I'm going to go with Devin. That's the only song that actually kind of piqued my interest a little okay. bit because, like I said, I, I've got I grew up with people in my family who had uh, like Elvis Greatest Hits albums, so I pretty much have heard at one point or another every song that they played in this to a point, except for that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also caught on to like okay, so they're playing this song. It lines up perfectly with you know what's going on in the movie. Yeah. Hmm. So it was almost like his first protest song <laughs> um, in a sense. I already said that mine was, uh, if I can dream the, the comeback special song. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what, like, it's just how 
close to home those lyrics still hit for me but the viva las vegas sequence going into that whole chunk of the movie i thought was fantastic i also enjoyed the kirk spock and ohora pictures behind everyone in the control booth (laughs) the whole time yeah Mm -hmm. um so i was trying to find an answer on this and i can't get a definitive answer because uh, Ryan, I know you and I have gone gone at it when it comes to these biopics before about the artists, the the actors singing the parts. Yes, and I can't, I couldn't find the exact number of what Austin Butler sang, but they did. He did do a lot of the singing himself, but they do okay. wow. u- they do use clips of Elvis throughout the film as well. Did you guys think that, did you guys find it jarring at all that he like his singing and the mix of Elvis? Could you tell, did you, did you think it was all Elvis or all him? Like, what did you think? Oh, I straight up thought it was all Elvis. I didn't know that the actor was singing at all. And I'm very impressed because if it moved back and forth, I straight up couldn't, I mean, Except for the unchained melody bit at the end, where mm-hmm. they literally cut to like yeah, we'll, a we'll, real. We'll, we'll old save video. that. We'll, we'll save in that. We'll save. We'll save that. Okay. Okay. Um, later. But yeah, no, no, I, I didn't catch it at all. Ryan, yeah, I, uh, I didn't really think about it throughout the entire movie. Um, so I mean, if if he did, great. Uh, you know, that's cool that they were able to find someone who looked like him and sounded like him enough like him to pull that off. Um, and in the fact that they like did both goes to them trying to find, okay, so if the guy we hired can't do it, we can always go to the recordings and just have it be a voiceover. Yeah. And that's honestly the best you can hope for. I think when you're doing something like this. Yeah, because Elvis's voice, like, it's everyone can do an Elvis impression. Like, Devin, uh, yeah. g- give us yours. Give us yours. But thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, see? Yeah, like, yeah see? You just do it. Ryan, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not even going to bother asking. Um, <laughs> no, because, I mean, here, and I, this is going <laughs> to change the mood. Um, the Elvis impersonation that people do is from when he was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. From when he was heavily in drugs. And throughout his career, and in and in and uh, is and in interviews, you can tell that his voice was never truly like that. When he was younger and coming up, and even in Hollywood, he had a he had a southern accent, but you could understand what he was saying. Yeah. And his voice changed throughout his life, and then you get to Vegas, and everyone does the Vegas impersonation of what you see Elvis impersonators do yeah. wherever, wherever you go, and it's the very sluggish you know, run on sentence, you know, voice. And it's because he was, he was high on pills. <laughs> the the one thing, the one thing that this movie really changed my outlook on Elvis in general for is the caricature, caricature of Elvis, like the cartoon that he's become in Vegas mm-hmm. now. Like, yeah, the, the, the fat Elvis, like I just, I, I just feel bad. Like that's what he he's known for. Like mm-hmm. that and peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. Like it's, um, it's sad. Like they, they, because like 
we none of us were alive for Elvis. So that's what we grew up with was like that and like Uncle Jesse like admiring him on Full House. Like that's what that was like my introduction to Elvis. Like Uncle Jesse like being like watch the hair, huh? Like that's the Elvis that I come to know. But it just puts it in a whole new light for me. Well, and it definitely makes it like I mean, because you're right, like the fat Elvis thing, from what we've been told, it's kind of a, a, it's a funny thing. It's like, I don't know, it's a bit like fat Thor. You know what I mean? Like, ah, Lewis used to be this stud, now he's, now he's chubby. And like, this movie definitely makes it seem more like a tragedy. I mean, because of this, I think like, either me or someone looked up like Elvis's last days, and there were apparently like weeks that he wouldn't leave the house, and weeks that mm-hmm. he wouldn't shower. Mm-hmm. And like, how tragic, like... From being literally on top of the world to like you won't leave the house or even take care of yourself is just awful. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Hmm. So the the one like we talked about Austin Butler's singing in this. I, mm-hmm. I have the I have an article here that has how much it actually was. Uh, it's actually Austin Butler's voice when he in his younger years, uh, and then. Uh, so exclusively in his younger years, it's it's Butler. But as the singer ages, Butler's voice is blended with tapes of midlife Elvis to give similar vocal tone as possible. Uh, and that was that was a choice by Boz Lerman. That, and they, they did it to pay respect to Priscilla and Lisa Marie, who were, when the film was being made, still around. Like they, um, Sadly, Lisa Marie has passed since. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that here in a bit. But what I think is fascinating about this whole Austin Butler thing is have you guys seen any interviews with Austin Butler since this movie came out? No, not one. No. He's still doing the voice. He can't drop it. What? Because <laughs> we, we talked before about where were you when Tom Hanks got COVID in 2020. Yeah. He did this for two years and he, he still has like the deep uh, Elvis tone going through it through all the interviews. Like if you watch the actors roundtable that I think Hollywood reporter or variety did, it's him and Colin Farrell and Brendan Fraser and Austin Butler sounds like he's Elvis through the whole thing. And it's not something that he can drop. Like his vocal coach has said, that's probably not going away anytime soon. Um, Oh my gosh. So poor guy. Was it worth it? Would you rather have that be it or be known for that or be known for starring in yoga hosers? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No, but I mean, like this movie was good and everything, but let's say he can't drop that for 10 years. I mean, it's a muscle. It's a muscle that he just has to, like, he'll get there eventually. Like it, it will start to fade eventually, but he was so deep in it for so long because mm-hmm. not only is it the acting, it's also the singing. Like yeah. if he's performing outside of the set to do the soundtrack, like it's there too. So um, we're I think, about, I, don't know. I think it was good. We're about out of time here. So I want to touch on a few things that we haven't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, first being the ending of this film. Uh, we, we talked a lot. We talked a bit about the unchained mentally, uh, performance in this. And I think that's the one that really stuck with me because the film does something that I absolutely was floored by where they, sh- they put Austin Butler in, in makeup to do mm-hmm. Elvis's final performance of unchained metal medley. 
and they cut to a flashback of young Elvis at the revival. And then they cut back to real Elvis and it like the way it hits with the music. Like that's the, that's why Boz Lerman did this movie. Like that's why you need somebody like him to direct this because that moment is so powerful and brings the whole thing home. Like this was a real guy. This is an exaggeration of what happened, but it's what happened. He died after this. Like this is the, this is an artist's final performance. Um, it just brought the whole thing home and just like, I don't think I can ever hear that song and again, any version of it and not think of that. I'm, I'm exactly in the same boat. I mean, that, that moment was one of the best moments of the whole movie was, was the unchained melody. I didn't, and the thing that I love is that the only thing that I really know about Elvis's final performance is people are like, he did, I did it my way in the final performance. And I thought that that's how this movie was going to end was on his, I did it my way. And it didn't. And I think it was a better choice for it. Ryan thoughts. I'm with Devin on that. Okay. Yeah. 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 There, there's a documentary that HBO max has that they aired when they re-released this film at the beginning of the month for Elvis's birthday. There was a, a documentary called man from Tolipo. Uh, where they it pretty much just goes through the movie beat for beat and like tells you what the movie is. And it's like, I don't know why I'm watching this, but it talks about that last moment. Oh, and they like deep dive into like the moment where Elvis turns and like smirks at the audience. Like, yeah, you, did you like that? Like, this is all for you. <laughs> and like seeing that in the like seeing the real Elvis do that in the movie is like, that's really what brought it home for me the second time I watched this for the show. I was like, oh. Um, and I, I, I finally do want to, I, I do want to address cause address the, uh, reason I watched this when I did, um, I watched it after the golden globes, after Lisa Marie Presley had died. Um, there's been some news about what, how, like what led to her death, um, earlier this, this year. And, uh, it's just tragic. Um, she was trying to lose supposedly she was trying to lose weight for us for like the award season to look good because she was at the golden globes with austin butler uh but also got her back onto opioids and she dropped 45 pounds in three months ouch yeah so um so it's just really tragic and like brought the like made the lisa marie stuff in this just even more like heartbreaking um so i also yeah. don't love that she felt like she had to do that exactly it has to do with the the societal pressure uh on a family and it's just like mm-hmm. you listen to her song the lights went out in memphis and it's like mm-hmm. like the, the course of that that's where my family's dead and gone like and there's there's a spot for me there too. Like that's that's practical. That, that's not word for word, but that's what the lyrics are to her big hit. And it's like that's it's sad. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just want to like that. That's part of what made me watch this. Like just out of respect for for her. Like cause it was just sad. Like seeing her on the red carpet with Austin Butler. It's like oh that's so nice. Like that they made this movie without the family's permission. But then the family saw it and embraced it and was like, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Like to know that they were all on board with it after the fact. Um, 
it, it, it's I, heartwarming. And that like Austin Butler and Baz Luhrmann were at her funeral in Graceland, or at wow. Graceland. So I didn't know about that, and I love that. Like I love that the family embraced it. It's weird that they didn't get permission, but I like that they embraced it so much. I, I mean, I think oh, they had to get permission for the music, and but I don't <laughs> think they 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 knew about it until they they didn't know the final product until they saw it. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... I... They're lucky they got permission without... <laughs> I mean, got the sign-off after the fact. I think Warner Brothers had probably owned the, the rights to Elvis's story and probably the yeah. music catalog, too, so... Yeah, it's just... It's easier now... It, it When it comes to social media, one of the things that is available now to people that wasn't in the past if let's say one of our grandparents was a celebrity and they make a movie about it and we don't agree with it we can easily go to twitter and be like hey i'm this famous person's like great grandson and i don't agree with it and even if you get like 10 percent of like you know like the like entertainment media blogs and you know, companies to like run, you know, run, 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 run your story. No. It, it turns it into a national story about a said piece of media. So mm-hmm. they're lucky that they were able to get the okay from the family, at least at the, at the bare least to where they were like, Hey, you didn't ask us if this was okay to begin with, but now that we see the finished product, it's okay. We're behind us. And I, I think they're, I would much rather a story like this where the they at least sign off on it, like knowing who, like Boslerman probably had to meet with the Presley estate and be like, "Listen, this is what we're looking to do. This is how we're going about the story." They probably had to get the okay for that, but they didn't have to embrace it the way that they did. They didn't have to go to the Golden yeah. Globes. Austin Butler does didn't have to say that he's giving the award to the family, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, in the chat here they're saying that he did. Um, Oh, did he? Aww. Yeah, they they there there are a lot of things for a biopic like this that you don't have to do. I like the this approach to it a lot more than, hey, the Michael Jackson estates making a Michael Jackson biopic, and it's gonna they and the Jackson family is involved in the production, and Michael Jackson is gonna be played by his nephew, Jermaine's son, like one of Jermaine's kids, and I'm like. That just feels weird. Like, is that a real thing? No, that's a real thing. Like that. That's that's happening next. Ew. Uh, nope. But like, from what I've heard, like I haven't seen any clips of the kid who's gonna be playing Michael Jackson dance. But evidently, he's got that that whatever the Jackson move style is. Like he has it. Like he looks like Michael. The dancing jeans. The dancing <laughs> jeans. Yeah. The bell dancing, dancing bell bottom jeans. jeans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. That's all I've got on Elvis. Um, anything else before we wrap this up? No, I got to say, I got to say literally everything I wanted to. I think we covered okay. all my notes. Yeah, I, the, 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 the only other thing that kind of made me mad a little bit was was when I found out that him and BB King weren't really like friends when they were growing up they would have been acquaintances like mm-hmm. like there's no hard evidence to show that they actually knew knew each other there's only some like evidence to say well it was memphis they would have hung out in the same circles but there's nothing there to say that they were like close friends or anything mm-hmm. so i mean there's just certain things that that 
they did with when it comes to like when it comes to these music biopics i'm okay with some freedom and liberty to the storyline to get the movie going but there are certain things that i feel like if a certain friendship didn't exist or if a certain event didn't actually happen there there's a line to the like implications to what that might you know end up showing to an audience where you can't that that it's like you shouldn't cross over yeah. and i feel like him being buddy buddy with bb king is one of those that shouldn't have happened i did i didn't read it as they were buddy buddy i i read it as he admired him from a distance before he was famous and then when he became famous they were in the same circles and at least had one conversation that conversation to me showed more depth of a friendship okay. there that they didn't show before that's where i'm coming from okay with sure that i mean and it, it's just it's, it's one of those things where it's like there's that um there's other things that would take forever to talk about so, <laughs> just, no, you're fine. Um, so next week ryan is supposed to be your pick but we talked about yeah. this and i think because it came up earlier in the show i think we're going to commandeer your pick next week and talk about titanic in time for the 25th anniversary release does that work for you i guess what, what, what? <laughs> What, what, what did you have for, for next week? The Burbs. Tom Hanks. I, I need a break from Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's your pick. It's your pick. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Okay. So, the Burbs or the Berg. Ah, I see what you did there. Ouch. Um, that that is absolutely it's horrible. Really, you know, really I think good. I no no. I'm going to come at you guys from left field here. Okay. Okay. Ready. The Running Man. Okay. Interesting choice. Okay. Alan, you you know that one, right? I've never at, seen at least it. heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah. What okay. haven't I heard of? You see my results for Framed. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, so The Running Man, next week on You Have to Watch This nice. Podcast. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on Twitch, um, listen to You Have to Watch This Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And I have an announcement. Uh, I have started a new show over on Victims and Villains called Brilliant But Lazy, uh, where me and my former mar- former fellow Marvel correspondent, Josh Howell, and I will be talking not only about Marvel stuff, but some other fun pop culture topics as well our first episode is out now on the victims and villains youtube channel and should be in podcast feeds wherever you get your podcasts where we rank marvel phase four and talk about our 10 favorite comic book movies of all time so it's a good time if you can check it out it's a supersized first episode so uh check that out in the meantime for you have to watch this podcast i'm alan i'm ryan no And uh, podcast has left the building. See you next week. Brian, I do it for you. I do it for that face every time.